0: Hi, this is Juliette Tablack, also known as Marcy's niece, Amber,
1: and you are listening to the Married with Children podcast.
2: Did you get the fryer tug job?
1: No, not yet. It's down to me and another girl. But in order to get the commercial, I have to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. You know, architecture? <laughs> what am I going to do? The other girl is already a good architect.
2: Okay, how long do you have before the callback?
1: A week i can't learn to shoot in 10 days
3: let's rock
1: thanks dad
3: can i get it open Whoa. Oh, no man presents live from the nudie bar the married with children podcast
4: Welcome back to the Merida Children Podcast. Down here in Australia, it's a little bit freezing here, so not quite as usual sunny paradise down under in our nudie bar. Oh, the the girls aren't even quite topless right now. (laughs) So this week we are reviewing season nine, episode fifteen. Kelly takes a shot. Originally aired on the fifteenth of January, nineteen ninety-five. My name is Matt and I can guarantee a full three minutes, and then some.
5: Well, my name is Annabelle, and today I learned that the big brush in the bathroom isn't for my teeth. (laughs)
4: Well, hopefully you learned it was for the correct thing, Anna.
5: Yes, I did. Just in time for me to go play topless Lady Macbeth down at the nudie bar. It was very cold.
4: Oh, yes. I'm sure the beer came out ice- frozen like icicles.
5: <laughs> That's not all that came out frozen like icicles. Sorry, you were saying? I was going <laughs> to say,
4: uh, in certain bits of Australia, it probably would, especially at capital, Canberra, and the little island of Tasmania in the far southeast the geography lesson for you non-Australians. So, uh, this episode, uh, we have guest-starring the amazing Juliet Tablock as Amber, Dion Anderson as Friar Tuck, Catherine Olsen as Beth, and uh, as the voice of Buck, uh, Kim Vieskoff, um who sadly wasn't credited, who, who took over from Kevin Coran quite a few episodes back. It was written by our... Adikman? I can never get his name correct.
5: A- it's Adikman. Adikman. I assume?
4: Well, uh, he's written quite a few episodes, so I'm sure that most of you would know who he is by now. And uh, directed by the amazing Amanda Bierce. Tonight, Kelly has a chance at TV stardom.
2: In order to get the commercial,
1: I have to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. You know architecture?
4: But how can she shoot
2: straight? <laughs> When she can't even think straight. Remember what the guy in the archery store said? Jump
1: up and down while I take these pictures. Don't miss Married with Children.
4: A brand new episode. So, our episode begins with Bud and Amber on the sofa. Bud is going for a kiss, but Amber tells him to cut it out. She's not in the mood. Not not even after the best three minutes of her life a month ago. She'd rather save it a moment. And make them special, hey.
1: Cut it out! Yeah! Cut it out, Bud. I'm just not in the mood right now.
2: How could you not be in the mood? When we did it a month ago, you said it was the best three minutes of your life. It was. I'm just not ready for an encore yet.
4: But Bud can't guarantee that. Bud's not feeling them.
2: You know, if it gets much more special, I won't be able
5: to guarantee a full three minutes. (laughs) It's interesting he said a month ago, because wasn't it about 10, 11 weeks ago? (laughs) Yeah,
4: that's right. If
5: we go back to Naughty But Nice, uh, Naughty But Nice, sorry, and to here, I know the episode order is a little out of whack in regards to its production code order, but that was, you know, a good 10, 11 weeks ago. This is 9.15, that was 9.04. And we're to assume that they've only done it the once because Amber says she's not ready for an encore yet. So either not much time has passed in those last few weeks or we're we're just, you know, meant to suspend belief for now. It's just continuity. My favourite thing in a sitcom.
4: Exactly. I mean, some sitcom is better than others. We all know to Children's is a bit patchy, so um, maybe, maybe one day we'll do um, a, a podcast episode where we all get together and talk about all the continuity holes.
5: Well, that would be several hours long, but I'm here for it.
4: So am I.
5: <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not an animal. I can wait.
4: How Bud says he can wait. Uh, I think he can, but he starts imagining Buck as a hot chick. And then Bud has a really seedy-looking face on his... Oh,
5: oh, Bud, seriously? (laughs) Buck's line, though.
4: (laughs) Yes! Mental note, sleep on stomach tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, he's going to sleep on his stomach tonight. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then our Kelly walks in with, I've noticed she's cut her hair even shorter and has had apparently the worst day of her life.
1: I give up. Today was the worst day of my life.
2: Worse than the day you found out that big brush in the bathroom wasn't for your teeth?
1: (laughs) Okay, the second worst day of my life. I went to go read for this really great movie part, but before I even had a chance to audition, they gave the part to somebody else. Who? Meryl Streep. <laughs> Come on, what does she have that I don't have?
2: What you mean besides the Oscars, the fame, and the command of the English language?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It begins with a T.
5: I got those. Talent Gump. Yeah, it starts getting shorter in the second half of this season. I'm not entirely mad keen on it. But it looks okay now. I mean, she's always cute. But yeah, she had a Does. bad day.
4: Yeah, a really, really bad. Worst day of her life. Worse than when she, than when she found out that the toilet brush is not for teeth.
5: <laughs> okay, so it's the second worst day of her life.
4: Yes, yes. Uh, well, she's upset that she didn't get a job because she lost to
5: Meryl Streep. And what has Meryl Streep got that she hasn't?
4: Well, let's see. Meryl Streep, amongst other things, has, let's see, a bit more proficiency in the English language. For those who don't know, Meryl Streep, or born Mary Louise Streep, was born on the 22nd of June 1949. American actress, known for um, being able to do plenty of accents and being very versatile as an actress, and has won nine Golden Globes and three academy awards. She's been an actor for quite a long time actually. She, she she made a theater and a film debut back in the 70s and became a big star in the 1980s. Yeah, so she's she's been she's been around for quite a quite a long time and has been, done many a film o- over the years including AI Artificial Intelligence, Stuck on You, Lions for Lambs, Fantastic Mix to Fox, Out of Africa.
5: Oh. Oh, what oh, what? You just reminded me of something. Christina Applegate has done a Meryl Streep parody. Oh. And it was for Funny or Die. And it's it's Christina doing all of Meryl's famous roles. And it's hysterical. Yeah, Funny or Die, Meryl, the bio with Christina Applegate. Nice. It's like three minutes long.
4: B.S. Yes, and other films she's, she's been in has been both mamma mia films, the Iron Lady, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. So she's been in quite a variety of different sorts of films, everything from dramas to kids films. To uh, she hasn't really done any horror films. So looking at this list, it seems mainly drama films or um, a few, with a few spotty kids films here and there or musicals
5: or jukebox musical movies based on jukebox musicals on stage by Swedish pop bands. When I'm convinced that Meryl Streep was quite drunk in that film, because (laughs) I don't know. She's just, she seems drunk to me. And it's a very quite hilarious parody of Mamma Mia by French and Saunders and a few other people that they did for comic relief in 2009. And it is worth it to look that up as well. So I highly recommend that instead of the actual Mamma Mia film. I have not seen the stage musical, so I can't comment, but I suppose it's actually pretty good because I, I love musicals. But this movie, I'm I'm just convinced that Meryl Streep is drunk. I mean, she's having fun, but maybe a bit too much fun.
4: <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
5: it's interesting that um, Bud refers to Meryl Streep having Oscars because now she's won three, but... Back in '95, when this episode, like the beginning of '95, when this episode was filmed or taped, um, she would only won two of those three Oscars. But it's just amazing proof of her longevity. So she's already won two Oscars by the point where Bud is um, talking about her. But now she's won a third, and she's still going strong. So all the power to her.
4: Yes, um, well done, uh, Meryl Streep. So that's two, two more Oscars, and Kelly Bundy has won. Uh... Yeah, and Kelly lacks talent, not tits, which Kelly admits she has those. Oh, yeah. And Bud, to quote a future episode, um, as, as you'd say in Married a Children Phantom, suggests Kelly should cook with butter, so to speak. Namely, phone work then involves, if you're under 18, please hang up now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bud, we know what you're talking about. You're not calling the Library of Congress, are you?
5: <laughs> God, the numbers are, are so similar.
4: Yeah, yeah, one number off, isn't it?
5: <laughs> I don't know, Matt, I have never called either. No, I haven't
2: <laughs> <either>. <laughs> See, what you should be reading for is the girl who says, if you're under 18, please hang up now. <laughs> not, not that I would ever use those things. <laughs> Sometimes you just misdial calling the Library of Congress. <laughs> the numbers are so similar.
1: You don't think I'm good enough to be an actress?
2: You're hardly a believable Kelly.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and he makes Kelly cry, oh, because he he actually pretty ins- actually insults her pretty badly.
5: He does. I'd be offended too.
4: Yeah. Oh, poor Kelly. And it
5: was an aww moment. So, you ready?
1: You should be ashamed of yourself.
2: I am. You ready? <laughs> I can't believe I let you have what you claimed was sex with me
1: You were just so mean to your sister
2: Yeah, so You ready?
1: A Good caring brother would help build her self-esteem. I thought you were different from other guys I thought you were sensitive
4: and Amber still looks hot to me, even when she's really angry with hands on her hair. She still looks smoking, even when she's angry to me. And in that black and white stripes to usher And Bud does not care about Kelly at all. And, and Amber's like, I thought you were sensitive, Bud.
5: Yeah, remember that line. You know, she says out loud, I thought you were sensitive. Later on, when Kelly comes back, Bud is remembering what Amber says.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
5: she, and you literally hear her say, I thought you were special. So whether there's a giant... I mean, we're talking about continuity and everything, but whether there's a giant cock up there or... No, I'll rephrase that sentence. <laughs>
0: yeah.
5: Unless there's a giant mistake that's happened behind the scenes, like pre-recording voices, etc. Or Bud has accumulated, Amber saying, I thought you were sensitive, and earlier on when she's talking about how special the sex will be when they wait, so... I I think it's just a mistake, sadly. I hate to point out mistakes in my television show, but I am a pedantic nerd.
4: Every show's got mistakes. uh, But yeah, Amber's Amber's not very happy at all. And uh, just as Bud tries to prove himself, Al announces he wants his shotgun. So, yeah, not looking good for you, Bud. (laughs) Uh, And he tries to clarify sensitive from sane because Al wants to shoot a bird. No, not a woman, an actual bird.
3: Where's my shotgun? Where's my shotgun? I'm gonna blow his freaking head off.
6: Don't you think you're overreacting just a little?
3: Some bird chirps on my side of the window every night for a week. And just because I want to pump six pounds of buckshot into its three-ounce body, I'm overreacting?
2: I said we were sensitive, not, not sane.
3: My Ot-6! Yeah! I don't have your
6: Ot-6 anymore. I gave it to the mailman. He was so depressed about losing his
3: job, I thought it might cheer him up. Well, what am I gonna do? Peg, I can't sleep! That can be deadly in my line of work. What if a fat woman tries on a
5: pair of heels and I'm not alert enough to shift my body before she topples? <laughs> That's quite an impressive entrance because he has to shout over the audience, because he knows they're going to... The audience is crazy in this episode. They're, they're screaming at every single entrance, every everything, basically. So he has to get that line out so quick before he actually appears. He still has to repeat it when he gets to the bottom of the stairs.
4: He knows how to work the audience now, Anna, because obviously the audience became really rowdy from season five onwards, so Ed O'Neill knows how to work this sort of audience by now, definitely.
5: Oh, yeah, they're old hats.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's all fired up. And 30 six Springfield. Uh, so that's a, a gun in metric notation from Winchester introduced to the United States Army by 1906. In 1906, I should say, it remained in use until the late 1970s. The thirty refers to the caliber of the bullet in inches, and the 6th the year the cartridge was was adopted. So it, it remains a very popular sporting round, even though it's no longer used in the military. And uh, am- ammunition is still produced by all major am- ammo man- manufacturers, so it's still, it's still a pretty pretty common common gun in the US. Uh, here in Australia, even bef- um, even in years gone by, guns have never really been a big part of our culture here. So, very much comparing apples to g- grapefruit, so to speak.
5: And there's an apple theme in this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, it's interesting. Like that's a, that's a, yet another. But, you know, Peg says, oh, I don't have your art six. I gave it to the mailman. Yeah. That's another postal worker joke. You know, when No Man Went to Washington, which we discussed. Yes. With Chris and Tyler. And that is literally episode 914, if you go by production order. So it's the episode they made before this episode. So two episodes in a row. (laughs) They're having a go at postal workers. Because like we mentioned in that episode previously. It was a thing at this time. There were, work, there were people going postal, so to speak. So it was a hot topic then, and, you know, we still laugh today because it's, it's still funny.
4: Yes, I mean, even though postal workers aren't as relevant as they were in the mid-90s, and, uh, yeah, so, tractors and merited children, they knew how to subtly blend in hot topics, so to speak.
0: Amber, you're here. <laughs>
2: Didn't I warn you about this house? Remember the story, the Bundyville Horror? <laughs> this is the
1: place. These are the people.
3: And this is the church, and this is the steeple.
4: <laughs> Marcy is uh, not very happy about Amber being in the Bundy house. Marcy refers to the house as the Bundyville Horror, pun on the Amityville Horror, 1979 supernatural U.S. horror film directed by Stuart Rosenberg and starring James Brolin and Margaret Kidder. Young couple who buy a house haunted by combative supernatural forces, based on Jay Anson's 1977 book of the same name, and based on the alleged experiences of the Lutz family bought a home in Amityville, New York, where a mass murder can be committed a year before.
5: Yeah, I like that old. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. That brought me right back to my childhood.
4: Yes, um, brought back back, back, to, back to mine as well. Uh. Yes, all those years ago.
5: Now, there's
4: some um, scene where Owl's um, talking about owls. An owl? I'm an owl. <laughs> an owl, you dolt. You know, who,
1: who? What? Who.
3: Huh? Not ha, huh, who? Not ha, what? Not ha, huh, not what, who? Who, owl, who? <laughs> not owl, who? Owl, who? Oh, an owl! <laughs> So I need to get me an owl. Oh, don't be ridiculous,
6: Al. Either you're going to the zoo at midnight or come to
4: bed.
3: Well, since she put it that way, to the zoo.
4: <laughs> you know what? Not huh? Not what huh huh? Not what who? Owl who? Not owl who? Owl. Oh, an owl, which is reminiscent of the Abbott and Costello sketch. Who's on first? Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know is on third. You know the guy's I'll... names in a baseball team? Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name? Who? The guy playing first.
3: Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on <laughs> first base. Who is on first?
4: What are you asking me for? I don't know. <laughs> it's a nice little callback to that um, comedic classic. So, nice little band between Alan Marcy. One of the nice, memorable Alan Marcy moments. How was the choice of going out to the zoo or going to bed? Or. What is our pick? And Bud is still feeling really flat because Amber's gone. Plays the world's smallest violin. Let's
1: go, Amber. And I want you to take a shower the minute we get home.
2: <laughs> Look, Amber, maybe we just got off on the wrong foot. How about, how about just a little kiss? And... Oh. We can uh, settle in for some CNN.
4: <laughs> Kelly's back in a really nice scarlet dress.
0: Okay, bud.
1: In a perverted sort of a way, I kind of respect your opinion. So, before I kill myself, would you mind telling me is there anything that I'm good at?
2: Kel, if there were anything... I thought you were special. Wrong with you? I'd have told you long ago. Like, take your acting. see, (laughs) when i said you stink i meant you stink at choosing your roles you know like anyone from the saturday night live cast
1: (laughs) well those who can do those who can't do not
4: but you haven't done very well as a brother in this episode have you and then this is saturday night live 1990 to 91 season of snl or saturday Night night live brought the first major changes to the show's cast in over four years adding chris farley and david spade the producers of the show attempted a mix of um, old and new like Mike Myers and Kevin Nealon that being old and new being Jane Ann Garofalo and Michael McKean for the 94-95 season it was one of the worst seasons of the show um, in hindsight along with 80-81 and 85-86 so the show was completely um retooled the following season and safe in cancellation so Bud is clearly criticising the currently bad season of SNL here
5: Christina Applegate did host it in 1993, you know, about 18 months or so before this episode. I don't know if that's a partial in-joke or not, but they're just having a go at SNL. Because, again, you know, hot topic, hot show. I saw a lot of it when they showed the reruns, which, you know, like I suppose it would have been the American syndicated versions. When they don't show the full hour and a half, they just show an hour's version, so it's actually only 42 minutes like when it airs live in America, it's a solid ninety minutes of show you're gonna get. Uh sorry, but an hour and five minutes in a ninety minute slot. And so when they do a syndicated rerun version, it's gonna be, you know, forty two minutes in an hour slot. And that's the version that they would show here, but they would show it on cable TV. So I saw a lot of SNL a few years later than it was originally made. So all the mid nineties stuff I saw later in the nineties, and I saw Christina Applegates episode in a Rerun of a rerun, so to speak. She hosted it in ninety three. I saw it in nineteen ninety eight. Oh wow, ninety nine, and it was um, yeah, it was chopped up, but they keep all the good stuff. So it'll be you know one performance by the band, which in her case was Midnight Oil, an Australian band. Oh, and then just like all their best sketches, like she does a really good impression of Cher, and she's in a sketch as Cher with Phil Hartman, and there is a, a blooper from that on YouTube somewhere, and it's from a dress rehearsal, so Phil Hartman swears. So that's good to see. Oh, nice. But yeah, she's on with Chris Farley, and that's the epi- That's the famous Chris Farley sketch, Living in a Van Down by the River.
3: Young lady, what do you want to do with your life?
5: I want to live
1: in a van down by the river.
3: <laughs> well,
1: you'll have plenty of time to live in a van down by the river when... You're living in a van down
0: by the river!
5: Applegate and David Spade are in that sketch and they are cracking up. Because Chris Farley takes that role and he just ramped it up to 10 apparently on the night. And the table that he breaks was maybe not supposed to break and things like that. But it's it's hilarious and just really, really hard to... Really funny to watch them all try very hard to keep a straight face. Yeah, it's worth watching for that.
4: Definitely would love to see it, Anna. I mean, obviously back in 95, forget SNL. I was only four, so I was still watching Sesame Street and the like.
5: Nothing wrong with that.
4: No, no, no. But you're definitely too young to be watching SNL or even be up at that time. Uh, but yeah, so after, um, after sl- slagging off SNL, uh, Bud tries to, you know, you get, get back in Kelly's good books and f- make it up to her, and Kelly starts being a bit suspicious. What I meant was
2: there are much better jobs out there, Kel. Like, for instance, I was just dating this actress. Well, she plays topless Lady Macbeth at the nudie bar. And she just happened to mention to me that there's a commercial audition for Friar Tux. You know, the fast food place with the merry menu? Mm -hmm. I bet you I could get you an audition.
1: Bud, you are an angel! And I don't mean an angel like someone who died without ever having sex, although I could. (laughs) I mean an angel who does good
2: deeds.
1: (laughs) Why are you being so nice to me all of a sudden?
2: I've matured. (laughs) (laughs) And I now realise there's a satisfaction to be gained by helping others.
1: Amber won't give you any, will she?
4: (laughs) No.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Kelly is definitely
4: not thick about this sort of thing.
5: No, she's quite savvy, really.
4: Yeah, she's really smart when it comes to this, and actually bluntly says, "Amber won't give you any." Will she?
5: Yeah, it reminded me of um, in late season four when um, Kelly has to educate, for lack of a better word, Bud about um, how women operate and how they think, and when she demonstrates when she gets the watch from the guy at the at the high school dance. Yeah, and that she knows all about that, and then when she's <laughs> telling Bud again when he thinks that he slept with Marcy. And, you know, don't you realise, you know, when a woman goes to sleep, her hormones accumulate. I mean, she suddenly knows words like accumulate and things like that. She is quite savvy when it comes to the the male and the female type stuff. She's very much very sure of herself. That kind of confidence that people admire in Kelly.
4: Yes, indeed. She definitely knows why um, Bud wants to, well, make it up to her. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, um... Topless poetry is rejected by Amber when Bud calls her on the phone.
5: It's a good thing for topless ladies. Like, topless poetry and topless Lady Macbeth.
4: Well, he does, he does. I mean, um, Al was probably the same when he was Bud's age, but
5: not quite Al. But... Oh, he's the same now. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, but Bud talks to his mum about when she was courting his dad. Um, love is a many splendid thing, but Al was hard liquor and not love. He apparently was desirable once upon a time. Guess who? Ow. Ow.
6: Now is not one of those times.
2: Dad, tell me you didn't rent an owl suit to sit in a tree and scare birds. <laughs> I did not.
4: I bought this baby. He's wearing a full owl suit. Guess who? Oh, no. They bought it.
6: Now, do you wonder why I took my name off the mailbox?
3: <laughs> I almost got a live owl at the zoo, but I found out something very important last night. Never try to sneak past a rabbit hutch with an owl in your pants. <laughs> Even though they can't see, they just know. <laughs> Time to go to work.
6: Uh, honey.
3: Are you sure about this? Relax, Peg. The guy that sold it to me gave me a guarantee.
6: Money back?
3: No. He just said it would work. Put a close sign on. Drove away. But
6: hey,
3: don't worry. I gave him a check. It's not good or traceable, or anything.
4: <laughs> Untraceable check. I mean, could
5: that could that even
4: work? I mean, I never really use checks myself. So surely you have to like have your someone's name on the check to trace it and whatnot.
5: Yeah, I think that's the joke. But yeah, I've I've never used an untraced check because. I'm pretty sure they could trace it back to something. I mean, who... I mean, I think that's a joke. You know, who would accept an untraced check? You know, it's not good or traceable. I mean, I don't know. I'm, no, I'm not a, an expert. Maybe we need Chris to tell us... The former banker, Chris, to, to fill us in.
4: But knowing Al, he would definitely um, have to somehow swindle them out of their money so he could get this owl suit and night vision goggles just so he could obliviate this bird. Oh, uh, yes, and he's completely gone... Um, he's gone full bonkers here. He's all...
6: Cuckoo,
5: cuckoo, and he is an owl now. Owl is an owl. He's an owl and an owl.
4: <laughs> so, ha- so hang on. So Kelly's up for a job, but she needs to f- get so- do something to get it, doesn't she?
5: Yes, she has to learn architecture. Yeah, that's arch- is that
4: right? <laughs> yeah, architecture. Uh, hang on. Uh, no, Kelly. Um. It's like, you mean archery, Kelly Even in a nice pink top Sorry, we're not doing architecture This is another what I call Kelly Bunker moment One of those, as I like, referred to them previously on this podcast Did you get the fryer touch-up?
1: No, not yet It's down to me and another girl But in order to get the commercial I have to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow You know, architecture? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? The other girl is already a good architect
2: Okay, how long do you have before the callback?
1: A week. I can't learn to shoot in 10 days. But you help me, please.
2: Uh, the things I do for love. Not you.
5: Marcy's niece, what's her tush? <laughs> You know what she reminded me of? Do you remember that? Sh- I've mentioned this show before, but do you remember the Australian sitcom Hey Dad?
4: Oh, yeah, I've seen bits of that when um, reruns when I was a teenager.
5: Yeah, well, you'll never see it again because the main actor in that show is now in jail. Anyway, there's a character in that show. She was the main guy's assistant. He was an architect, and she was a very funny character and probably my favourite in the show, but she was um, the Dippy... She's actually a redhead, incidentally, but she was like the Dippy um, assistant and she'd answer the phone and she'd go, Martin Kelly, architect. <laughs> Every time. And that's what this reminded me of.
1: Hello. You have run Martin Kelly, architect, and, um, but you haven't got an answering machine. You've got a betting.
0: <laughs>
5: Can I help you?
4: Yes, in terms of how his legacy was ruined, the Australian equivalent of The Cosby Show.
5: Yeah, yeah, we've got our own as well.
4: (laughs) Yes, if you Google it, you'll understand. Just Google, hey, Dad, the rest is self-explanatory for you non-Australians. Apparently, um, a week is now ten days. Kelly seems to have gone to metric time uh, when she starts practising her architecture.
5: (laughs) That's a (laughs) sentence. Uh Bud doesn't correct her on either point I notice well Bud
4: doesn't want to wind her up Bud just wants her to you know um, do a crack shot and you know so he can win Amber back
5: yeah just get to it the sooner he actually helps her do something the sooner he can get into Amber's pants sure
4: yeah and, and Bud, things Bud does for love not for Kelly I don't
5: Marcy's niece what's her tush yeah Kelly and
4: Bud they do look a bit cute in that shot and they look like they're really enjoying filming that, that shot though
5: they do, and they're adorable. yeah and i I, I do think the butt and Kelly plots slash episodes work very well.
4: Lupos are obviously like um Christina and David's Chemistry. I'd love to see bloopers of um their scenes.
5: Oh, I'd love to see any bloopers. God, but yes yeah, this is one of um
4: two or th- this is one of three or four shows in particular. I'd love to see bloopers of in particular.
5: Oh, it's a crime. They just aren't there's very, very few bloopers. And you've got 11 years to play with. Like, come on, you're holding out on us. Is it, all, it can't all be, you know, R-rated jokes and swearing. I mean, <laughs> there's got to be some more out there. One day. One day.
4: One day. We can dream. We can dream. Do you remember what
2: the guy in the archery store said?
1: Jump up and down while I take these pictures?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: After that. Remember? Look. Feet apart. Relax breathe slowly left arm straight <laughs> okay no, you're way too low now aim higher <laughs> ah!
4: Kelly aims too high, and oh, hang on, who did she shoot? Not Jefferson, not Marcy, none of the no no members. It's Al, and they make another good use of the dummies here. (laughs) He's really feeling the (laughs) pain, to quote Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine Nine, with an arrow up his butt. Well,
5: it's not Kelly's fault, no bird has a butt that big.
4: (laughs) Oh, dearie me. And I've also got here that, um, the Archery Store Clark m- mentioned, jump up and down while I take these pictures.
5: Yes, that's interesting. <laughs> well, she's wearing a cute top, so, yeah.
4: yeah. That pink top, as I mentioned, yes, yes. Uh, is it pink?
5: I thought it was more... I suppose it is. It's sort of off-white. Uh,
4: yeah, because she wears a few different out- outfits in this episode. Uh, she was in a Scarlet dress earlier, and uh, yep. now I've got, uh, hang on, yeah, pink, pink dress, um unless I've got my outfits muddled up. Yeah, nice pink top, unless she changed it again, which I don't think she did.
2: Before you get mad, just please try to encourage her. She's just learning. (laughs) Fine. I'll keep the bleeding internal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, this is not going to work. I mean, let's face facts. If God wanted people to shoot a bow, he wouldn't have invented assault weapons.
2: (laughs) Look, that last shot wasn't your fault, okay? No bird has a butt that big. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Kelly mentions if God wanted people to shoot a bow, he wouldn't have invented assault weapons. So she thinks assault weapons are advanced bows. And this is another reference to then current events about the then assault weapons ban that was enacted in 1994, which are only a few months uh, before this episode aired.
5: And how did that work for them?
4: Well, it expired for the ten years, so it's been irrelevant for seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> well, non-Americans Google that Google if you, you like the re- re- Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use for Protection Act or Federal Assault Weapons Ban. There you go.
2: Relax. Will the arrow use the force? <laughs>
6: <laughs> but-
4: but then after a while, Kelly makes a stunning archer. Bud tells her to use the Force, a nice Star Wars reference.
5: Yeah, I noticed that today. I mean, I've noticed it before, obviously, but just, oh, it was newsflash to those listening. We recorded this, say, a couple of weeks after Star Wars Day, which is May the 4th. So when Bud said that, that stood out to me this time for reasons just because of the date. It's obviously a Star... Star, I was about to say Star Trek. It's obviously a Star Wars reference, but it just stood out to me because, you know, exactly two weeks ago, so to speak, it was Star Wars Day.
4: Yes, here in May of 2021. Yes, and at the time this was recorded, we still only had the original trilogy, so we only had um, four, five, and six at the time this was recorded, and Star Wars wasn't exactly in the centre of too many people's minds at the time, I don't think.
5: No. It was, you know always popular, but yeah, certainly not as it became later in the decade.
4: I was going to say one more point. My theory is, if it didn't make the prequel trilogy, it would not be as popular today because the prequels, I mean, feel, feel free to discuss in the comments, everyone, were what got people my age into Star Wars, because I was the only eight when the Phantom Menace came out, so that would have helped my, people my age get into Star Wars.
5: It probably did. I mean, I can't comment because I am not a Star Wars fan. I've only seen one of the films and I don't even know if it's the one where he says use the force. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what do we think about Kelly as an archer? She looks pretty hot.
4: Yeah, she was stunning and she is getting better especially after her first early shots after um, she hits her own dad. But uh, I don't know if, if Christina Applegate is a proficient archer in real life so I don't know how mu- I don't know if they just trained her up for this episode or whatnot.
5: I suspect that's the case There someone would have Say, for example, there's, like, the, the other girl who's already a good architect. She, maybe maybe she gave, or somebody else gave them both. They taught them, you know, crash course and archery. and Or maybe it's someone who, whoever's doing the shooting for Kelly in a scene in the montage coming up, who, who's doing all her shots that are probably pre-recorded and spliced in, maybe she, maybe that person gave Christina some tips. I mean, we don't know what really goes on behind the scenes. But I have done a little bit of architecture, oops, sorry, I mean archery, mm. and even though I only did it for a few months and it was a long time ago, the main thing I remember about it was when you are shooting the arrow, as soon as you let go of the arrow, you the, the hand that's doing the pulling back, you leave that hand where it is and you just sort of let the arrow go. And if you look at the girl who's playing Beth, the experienced archer, she's actually doing that with her christina she she puts lets her arm go and like just pretty much you know gets it out of the way kind of thing, so she's holding the bow straight and everything, and she's shooting I mean one bow goes up a bit, but we see her actually do a legitimate shot into the target on the tree, so that's obviously real, so someone's taught her what to do, but she didn't leave her arm up, which makes me think no she is not an experienced archer in any shape or form, so she's learned it for this episode, but she's sort of a natural enough ability in many things of her life like dancing and things like that that she sort of picked it up quite easily but if i think if you're a proper archer there's any archers out there please please let me know if i'm wrong but because i have been taught by an experienced archer you're supposed to leave your hand up and that's what gave it away for me that she was not an experienced archer
4: Nicely spotted, Anna, because I did it once when I was about 12. Uh, that was a very long time ago, so I don't, I don't remember any the proper technique or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, so thank you for um, pointing out the um, obvious um, tec- technique by both um, actresses there.
5: Yeah, I mean, and Christina Applegate, she, she's played Paul in Married to Children before. And she's also played Paul in an episode of Jessie. Um, was a sitcom after Married with Children, and she might have played it in something else, I can't remember. So that makes me think that she has had some experience in playing pool, whether or not she learned on the Married with Children set, but she was quite good in that episode, even though they're quite basic shots. But that sort of makes me think she likes playing pool and has done it before, because she did it in Jesse, and that's worth seeing, because it's actually quite a sexy scene. She's, you know, like, she's, like, chalking up the cue, and it's very suggestive.
4: Yeah, I'm so looking it up.
5: but yeah she does play pool in that too which makes me think it was kind of her idea because she was a producer on that show so if she sort of took to pool maybe she took to archery as well it's just little things like that that she probably learned quickly and forgotten it doesn't really matter because the audience is probably not really looking at her archer form anyway they're looking at her at her form (laughs)
4: Yes, yes. I mean, pool's a bit easier to learn in archery too. I should know because I learned in when I was in year twelve, my final year of high school, when we had a pool table in the common room, complete with a incorrect um set of balls.
5: <laughs> that was at like my dance studio when I was a kid. We had a there was a pool table in the back room, like where we waited for our classes, and it started off with a full set, a full triangle of balls, and then by the half the year, it was down to about six but we still played and that wasn't too bad but it was weird because i'm right-handed but for some reason i shot pool with my left hand i can't explain that at all so
4: well it worked for you
5: yeah it did i mean i got quite good while waiting for my glasses i would just shoot pools uh shoot balls into pockets and it and it worked
4: Nice, nice. Whereas um, we had the right num- amount of balls, but it was all wrong. We had two 14s. We had, I think, two 6s or 7s. Uh, basically, uh, I can't remember if we had a proper cube or not, but we had some some duplicates and some were missing. So we had enough balls to fill the triangle, but not a proper set. So we just played first to sink eight. So if any of my cl- high school friends are listening to this, uh, you can vouch for me in that we just played first to sink eight.
5: <laughs> I'm trying to look for that Jesse episode I was talking about. I don't know if you found it, but um, I think it's the last episode of season one. Well,
4: you we definitely have to wa- watch it at some point. Uh...
5: I saw the description and it said, Jesse and Diego are playing strip pool. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so I'll just wait for everyone runs to YouTube to try and find that. But I can't actually find it.
4: Oh, well, I'm sure we'll be out there somewhere. Uh... So after a bit of practice... Uh... It's the big day, the competition. Uh, Amber is looking amazing in that black and red top and her jeans. Uh, she looks um, good in anything, really, but uh, I always take notice of uh, Kelly in more Amber's outfits.
5: Yeah, I did like Amber's outfit here. I thought it was cute. Yeah. And Juliet Tablack did talk a little bit about Amber's outfits in that interview, if you want to go back and listen to it. That dropped after her first appearance on Married with Children. She talked a little bit about her costumes and how she was wearing very similar clothes like that. I mean, talking about her outfit in this scene, not her outfit at the end of the episode.
4: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Kelly's competition uh, is a Kelly semi-look-alike. Kelly needs to w- win this and Beth is not very nice at all. So where's your competition? Over
1: there?
2: Yeah! <laughs> no. Kelly doesn't exactly have to win this thing for me to score, right?
1: (laughs) Well, might as well introduce myself. No sense. in Being a bad sport. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kelly. May the best girl win.
6: (laughs) Bullseye.
4: Not very nice at all.
5: No, no. She emphasizes the bullseye.
4: Yes, I mean, I've met people for the first time and not got along with them. Uh, I always remember the first day of year three, uh, we had a new kid in the class. I said hi to him, and he hit me on the arm.
5: Oh, what an arsehole.
4: I know. I mean, him and I didn't exactly get along, but I haven't seen him in a million years. We, we got along all right by the time high school ended.
5: Well, that's better. But yeah, you don't need people like that in your life.
4: Hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> How are my finest today?
1: Fine,
3: my Mr. Tuck. Oh, please, Mr. It's so formal. You can just call me Sugar Daddy. <laughs> 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 now, as you girls know, you are so close in talent. The only legal way to decide who gets his role is with a
5: shootout. You have any questions? Um, actually, I'm. Good. Just... Then let's scoot and shoot. So we meet Mr. Fryer Tuck. I think he
4: prefers being called Sugar Daddy. Mr. Tucker's too form when he's a little, just a tiny bit
5: per- perverted. Oh yeah, just a smidge. Yeah, he's just, you know, you totally know that type, and it's just, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a caricature, but it it, it works for this. You know, you got he's clearly chosen two archers who are varying degrees of decent to very good, but they're both total babes. I mean, who's he gonna choose?
4: Here, yeah, who is he going to choose? Well, he's there to judge them on their archery, not anything else starting with A.
5: But how are they going to choose who goes first?
4: Uh, they're going to f- flip a coin, right? Yeah, he's going to flip a coin. Mm-hmm. But then Beth, bang, basically uh, shoot, shoots an arrow through the coin. Yeah, I think Kelly should, shouldn't mess with
5: Beth here. Hmm. Yeah, so she'll go second. thats a good Beth's a good shot. I, I don't know if her sh- archery is real but or if someone's doing all the fill-in shots so to speak the shots of shots but yeah she's pretty good and Kelly is uh, doing surprisingly well too.
4: she is she is. Uh... It's a bit of a nice um, bit of jousting here, as I've got here, uh, Kelly and Beth jousted out. Uh, Beth is hot too, but not as hot as Kelly, and I'm whistling along to, to the music they're playing here.
5: Yes, the William Tell Overture.
4: Which is very fitting um, for what we're kind of coming up to a bit bit late bit later in, in this scene, but not. They shoot through moving targets, they shoot candles, Kelly starts a fire.
5: It's all very impressive, almost too hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs>
4: it is. It is. Uh, oh, it's a very tight contest, uh, and Amber's got and Amber just playing with her hair and just being a cute self. And
5: I like that Bud seems to be genuinely cheering her on because he doesn't actually look at Amber during this montage, but then Amber starts looking at him with a bit more lust in her eyes. You notice? Yes. But Bud, actually, I think he does actually genuinely want Kelly to succeed. Not just because he's going to score with Amber, but that's about 99% of it, you know. <laughs>
4: yeah, of course. He's got the legitimate 1%.
5: Yeah, just, a, just that legit one.
4: Yeah, so, uh, Bud, good to see you've got some decency with your um, sister here. So we get to the final du- Duke out, I believe. And
3: at the request of Miss Bundy, we will now flip a coin to see who goes first. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Your turn, lame aim. (laughs) Bud,
1: I cannot beat that. Yes,
2: you can. You can do anything.
1: You're just saying that to score with Amber.
2: (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) But you can win this, and I'm gonna help you. Really? Yes, of course. You just tell me what you want me to do.
1: Okay. For my final shot... I am going to shoot an apple off my brother's
2: head. Wait wait, wait a sec now. Uh, I'm her brother. (laughs) Kelly, don't you think this apple thing has been done to death? Not yet.
5: (laughs) Bud's convinced that Kelly can win this. He's going to help her. I mean, yes, he's going to score with Amber. And he freely admits it, but he also wants her to succeed. So Kelly makes her announcement that she's going to shoot an apple off Bud's head, off her brother's head. Sorry, Bud's all forward. He realizes. Wait a minute, I'm her brother. <laughs> yeah, it took you that long, Bud. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bud's Bud's a bit. He must be focusing on Amber too much because he's yeah a bit slow on the uptake there. I do like their exchange. You know, don't you think this has been done to death? And Kelly just casually says, "Not yet." <laughs> But for those who are unaware, the William Tell story, the best-known version of the story is in the legend of shooting an apple off a child's head, is of William Tell, supposedly happening to the star of the Swiss Revolution, written first in the 15th century White Book of Sarnen, and then later the basis for Frederick Schiller's 1804 play. William Tell is arrested for failing to in respect to the hat that newly appointed Austrian Wacht Albrecht Gessler has placed on a pole. Yes. And Gessler commands him to shoot an apple off his son's head with a single bolt from his crossbow. And after splitting the apple with the single shot, supposedly on November 18th, 1307, Tell is asked why he took more than one bolt out. At first, he responds that it was out of habit but when assured he would not be killed for answering honestly, says the second bolt was meant for Gessler's hat should, uh, sorry, hat, meant for Gessler's heart should he fail. In Schiller's play, the demand to shoot the apple off the boy's head motivates Gessler's murder. So it's a classic tale, and Rossini, of course, has made a whole overture about it, a whole orchestral Piece of music called the William Tell Overture. I think it's actually called the eighteen twelve William Tell Overture, from memory. But that—that's the music we hear during the montage.
4: Yes, well, they couldn't have picked a better piece of music for this scene, especially with what um Kelly shooting off Bud's head.
5: Exactly. I mean, it's very overt reference, but it it works.
4: And I've got a bit of a story here which reminds me of a uh, game I used to play on a computer back in the day. So, not long, literally a few months after I first watched this episode, uh, um, in year 12, in I- and sometimes goofing off in IT class, I would play this flash game called Apple Shooter, which is still online to play. So, it's basically, you're, you're shooting an apple off the top of your friend's head. If you shoot the apple, you um, go to the next level. If you miss, okay, you just keep retrying. But if you shoot your friend and kill them, uh, you lose. And it's actually pretty gory for a Flash game. So if you don't like Blood, don't play it. But look at Apple Shooter, the game. It's uh, relevant to this episode.
5: Okay. I think all the gamers out there would be very happy to hear that.
4: Yes. Fond memories for me when I was 17.
5: Hmm. I just want to clarify the music. Uh... According to Wikipedia, is the finale, March of the Swiss Soldiers, from the William Till Overture, but it's that famous piece that everybody knows. Yeah, everyone
4: knows that bit.
5: Yeah, I even played it in band in high school, but I played alto sax, so I didn't get to play the real melodic parts except for the... And that's when I realised that the, those, those two lines are not the same. The second line is actually a little bit different, and it wasn't until I played it as part of an orchestra that I actually paid attention to the fact that um, that second line is a couple of notes different. That's just a random aside. Bud, I think
2: it's so sexy what you're doing for your sister. How sexy do you think it is? Well, on a scale of one to do I get some?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it! Very It's very heating up intensely at this, this point.
2: What am I doing? Am I so desperate for sex that I risk certain death? Why, yes.
4: Yes, I would.
1: Okay, stand still. You know, I am really touched that Bud is doing this. For the first time in my life, it's like someone in my family really believes in me. God, I'm actually tearing up. Which is totally not good for Bud since now he's nothing but a blur from here. <laughs> oh, what do I need to prove? Having a family on your side has got to be more important than having some fried chicken typhoon telling me I'm finger licking good every morning. <sighs> I can't do this. I don't need to be the fryer tuck girl. I'm just proud enough to be that horndog sister. <laughs> I'm out of the contest. Job's yours. Couldn't do it, could you? Candy ass. (laughs) (laughs) Candy
0: this.
4: (laughs) So Kelly Kelly shoots, but, um, okay, so it's a bit... Not quite the way you'd think. Uh, her contradictory screws are over. Kelly's like, I can't do this to my brother. And it just happened to be Bud's oh, or dog sister. How adorable, Kelly. Aww. So forfeits. But after Beth calls her a chicken and, and basically she then shoots the apple, which doesn't hurt Bud physically, but really screws him over mentally.
5: Yes. And it's interesting you said chicken because Kelly references... A fried chicken tycoon is saying that she looks finger licking good every morning and that just reminds me of Stephen marcy if you remember back to life's a beach at the end of season three yes
4: it does ring a bell <laughs> yes
5: al calls marcy a chicken and steve says if you have chicken legs just call me colonel sanders
4: <laughs> yes i remember watching that in uh may or june of 2020 when uh most things are still closed here
5: yeah including beaches
4: Well, he could go to the beach, but there was no point at that time because it was too cold.
5: Yeah, and he couldn't get any KFC or any fried chicken. That's the last straw for Kelly, isn't it? I mean, she gets called a candy ass. And then I think I remember back watching this episode for the first time, like a previous episode with Amber, incidentally. um, The first time I saw this episode, it was from a a tape I got from England from my English friend. Married Children used to air on Sky One, but they we at pre-Watershed, so they ate at about 6 or 6.30 at night, so they cut a lot out of the show. So I was Yeah, it's just, well, say, for example, every reference to Peg's home county or her maiden name, Wanker, that was always cut out, and other things that, like the more explicit sex jokes and like the stronger the, the reference, you know, if something's really rude or whatever Sky One deemed as rude, they would cut out. So I saw sort of a chopped-up version of this episode. It wasn't too bad. But they did cut out Beth calling Kelly a candy ass. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, because I saw this uncut a few years later. I'm like, oh, my God, that's why Kelly said candy this. I mean, it didn't really make sense for Kelly to suddenly say that. But, and then all of a sudden it, it did make sense. I'm like, oh. But you sort of forget that because she fires his arrow off without looking straight into the apple on Bud's head. I mean, we're talking about in the context of the show. So Kelly has fired this arrow into her brother's just above his head. And that shot, coupled with Bud screaming, I felt that. Wow. I mean, can you imagine standing there all of a sudden, an arrow goes zoom, literally a centimetre above your head, probably through your hair, right on the top of your head? Yeah. And then, yeah, I'd probably react similar to Bud because what else can you do? But yeah, that's that shot, that land of the arrow in the apple and the screen that was all perfect and he just yeah the way he just slinks down the wall silently just all works I know, and i I just love that you know with that shot curly has secured her role and she just struts off so proudly and i've got to say her ass looks amazing in those pants
4: oh yeah oh yeah and i also say with that scene where bud is living daylight scared out of him that um back to the apple shooter game you can see why because the arrow is any lower one of the um bad endings of that game would have happened. I can imagine. Yes, yes, so, uh... Everything seems to be, um... Episode seems to end rather well here. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I haven't seen an emerald-crested night
2: thrush since I took bird-watching in college. Uh, you know, to, uh, To meet chicks. <laughs> <laughs> but when I heard this little fella's distinctive call to... I knew I had to notify the authorities. To think, in Owl's yard, two endangered thrush eggs.
1: Well, I'm just glad they stopped him before he could eat the other one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Jefferson mentions he went bird watching so he can meet chicks. Or, well, he should have said birds, especially with the British viewers.
5: Yeah, that would have worked for a British. Um, in a if this was a British show, he'd be like, "Oh, I took bird watching. You know, to watch birds." <laughs> yeah, I, I like how we sometimes get glimpses of Jefferson's previous life. In a later episode, he said he was in the band, which, you know, we'll come to that in a couple of years' time. But yeah, he, he's played an instrument and, in college. And, and he, here, apparently, he's revealed that he took bird watching. But he seems quite quite knowledgeable and he does a pretty good whistle. So yeah. maybe Ted McGinley's not telling us something.
4: Maybe. May- what are you hiding from us, Teddy boy?
5: Not just a pretty face.
4: Yeah, we know all about your um, life, in, life in the Secret Service, Jefferson.
5: Exactly. So what other secrets is he holding out on?
4: Plenty, plenty, I'm sure. But speaking of Jefferson, his good mate Owl was still in the tree, or oh, with a man in the hat next to him.
5: Oh, you just remind me I meant to look at the man in the hat to see if he was... I'm just going to look at that again. It might just be a random extra. There he is. Oh no, it's just a random dude.
4: Yep, just a random guy. Obviously, it looks like a ranger of some sort.
5: Well, time to go watch Kelly taping
6: her Friar Tux commercial.
4: <laughs> uh, will Bud be okay?
6: Oh, sure. He's been changed. <laughs> <laughs> and besides, when is a turnip ever really not okay? <laughs> Bud, we're leaving.
2: Mommy go. Daddy tree. Bud Bud sofa. <laughs>
6: Oh, isn't that cute? His first words, soon he'll be eating solid foods and walking again. (laughs) They do grow up fast, don't they?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bud, Aunt Marcy won't be back for hours. I want you bad.
2: Ew, girl, yucky cooties. Men. Oh, well,
0: it could could be be worse. worse. At least least I'm not not
5: dead. (laughs) You mentioned Bud um, is a little bit traumatised or he's responded emotionally to this, hasn't he?
4: Well, well, Kelly got the part, but Bud apparently has the mind of a one-year-old boy and is completely sucking his thumb. And he's wearing the same outfit he had on in Season 7's Christmas episode.
5: He is, I noticed that straight away. Yeah, he's regressed further than I thought, but yeah, it sort of makes sense in its way, but it, again, it's it's such a cartoonish episode, it, it totally works in its way. But yeah, he's fine, he's been changed.
4: He has, he has. Uh. And then his reward finally comes in. Amber is looking amazing in his pink dress, which, out of all of the outfits in this episode, this is my favourite one.
5: I, I, I had a feeling it might have been your favourite, Matt, yes. <laughs> Yeah, she did look good, and she does wear this again later this season. Oops, spoiler.
4: Yeah, spoiler, but most of you have seen it, but for those who haven't, uh, you'll like that episode when you get to it.
5: It's not my favourite outfit in the episode. That My favourite outfit, if uh, not that it matters, but it would be the one where they're watching Kelly do her archery. Oh, yeah. The top and the jeans, yeah. Yeah, but Amber finally wants Bud, but Bud... This one kind of t-
4: tears me up a little bit because because um he's got the mind of a one year old and he's got eel yell yucky cooties. Uh, I would attack an Amber in a heartbeat. I mean, but you, you you screwed
5: up big time here. But I suppose it's not really his fault because he was helping. But and it worked. I mean, that's what Bud has to remember that it worked. Him being nice to Kelly has worked. But of course Amber doesn't know how much he's regressed so so much. She just says men and walks off.
4: Yeah, I mean, and, but one thing I noticed here is that Alan Bud mentally exchange, obviously not to each other, because they're just thinking. At least I'm not him, which Bud still appears to be twenty one mentally when he's thinking that. Weird.
5: Yes. Yeah, I thought of that too. Um, yeah, he talks like a one year old, and now he's he's thinking like normal Bud. What did you think of that ending? Did it did it work for you? Because I, I remember seeing this in the '90s when it first aired in Australia. Yeah. I reckon, like late 95, and that ending stuck out to me. Not that it's bad or or especially good, but I just remembered, you know, something happened to one person, something happened to another, and then there was a split screen at the end and they said, oh, well, it could be worse, at least I'm not the other person that they said at the same time. And I don't – this is before I became a full-fledged Married Children fan, but that always stuck with me, and I don't know why. just one of those things that, that sticks with you as a kid.
4: Well, it's definitely memorable, but like I said, it just feels weird weird to me. Um, that's the only way I can think of about how Bud acts or ill girl cooties like his one-year-old to Amber, and then he goes, um, oh, thinking like he's his usual adult self.
5: Yeah, it's a bit jarring in a way, and I, it sort of feels to me like there was something else cut out. Like maybe Bud had another, or had his own internal monologue like Kelly did when she was about to shoot him. But... I don't know. It, it just feels like something was cut for time, maybe, and they just cut to that. But it it's fine.
4: May have been, yes. Uh, we'll never know, I guess, because who knows what went on the cutting room floor, or who knows what um was taken out of the script.
5: Yeah. Again, bloopers, extra footage, unseen footage, deleted scenes. Wouldn't that be amazing?
4: Yes, it would be. It would be. Oh, well. well. Yeah, the episode pretty much um, ends, ends on that note. Uh, well, every, everyone seems to win except for Bud, really.
5: Yeah, I know. I mean, Al just has to sit there. i got a question for you. All right. The tree that Al is in. Yeah. Is this a tree on the Bundy property line or the Darcy property line?
4: Oh, now you're getting me back to season eight and how green was my <laughs> apple. Another apple-related episode. So, ah. Uh, Indeed. Indeed. Because oh, this was about a year after they resolved that dispute on the property line. It is. Oh, it looks like, I guess, the Bundy pro- Bundy property, but um, you know you mentioned it, I'm really thinking, because obviously that was a massive dispute at, around a year before this one.
5: Yeah, I think it is in the Bundy. It looks pretty firmly settled on the Bundy side of things. I might just look at the map. There's a screenshot of the map on... Oh, uh map, rather on Bundyology. Yeah, it's a tree in the Bundy... Oh, we're to, to assume it's that tree near the house. There's a tree just on the other side of the property line. I don't think it's that one. The tree has moved a bit to the right, but it's legit.
4: Yeah, so for those who missed that, go back and watch Season 8 for, if you want to read more about um, property line disputes. So, algorithm is my Apple. Um, if you haven't seen that episode, go back and watch and that podcast review for that one.
5: And they're both Apple-themed episodes.
4: Yes, but green, green apple rather than a red one.
6: No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, Just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review.
4: So, okay, uh... How many apples are you shooting off your sibling's head for this episode, Annabelle?
5: Well, Matthew, um, I think I will shoot at least four apples off my sibling's head. And I'm sorry, sibling, but I'll try and get them right into the apple and, and, and not as close to your head as Kelly got to Bud. But I really like this episode. I think it's a good one for season nine and a good one for Kelly. Kelly and a good one for Bud, and a good one for Kelly and Bud, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, because uh, it's always nice and, and a little bit heartwarming, as Kelly explains, to see the Bundys unite and help each other out genuinely, even though there's something in it for them, you know? So, yeah, there's a lot to like here, I think. The, like I said before, the audience is going crazy. Every time Kelly comes in, they won't shut up. Um, every time Al comes in, <laughs> despite what he's dressed like, they won't shut up. Uh, this is normal now, and they're to expect it. And I sort of admire someone like Juliet Tablack, who's who's new to the show, but is, this is literally her third episode, but she's come in and she just handles the audience stuff like a pro. Like Even at the top of the episode where when Bud's coming onto her and she has to say, cut it out, Bud, a couple of times because of the audience cutting her off. She repeats that line, but she's sort of come into this as a as a, a newish actress, but um, with some, enough experience and enough knowledge of this sh- how this show works that, that she's going to be working around a fairly rowdy audience. So, yes. Yeah, so she's handling herself very well, I think. Um, what doesn't get a full five for me is um, things like, we talked about continuity, but the, th- the line when Bud remembers Amber's words is, I thought you were special instead of I thought you were sensitive. I think that's just a mix-up. Um, It sort of takes it away because I'm so pedantic. Uh, I like all the references, you know, like the Bundyfield horror and then uh, more current references, like then current references, like Saturday Night Live. I like that even more knowing that Applegate, both Applegate and O'Neill had hosted Saturday Night Live by this point, but Applegate has that humongously famous scene with Chris Farley in November 93, living in a van down by the river But that's just an incidental reference and coincidence, as is the fact that uh, Christina has played Meryl Streep in a very funny, funny funny-or-die sketch, and it's just called Meryl, the biopic, Meryl.
0: Kramer!
5: Oh, Kramer!
0: Versus Kramer!
5: And um, I'll post a, a link in the comments. I think on the Facebook group, if, if I mean, it's on YouTube and everywhere you can find it. But it's just very funny to see Kelly Bundy well after the show has finished playing Meryl Streep and she does a lot of her roles. There's a lot of references to all of her famous roles, everything from Mamma Mia to French Lieutenant's Woman and everything in between kind of thing. Um, so that's just interesting. I just like the little touches in the episode as well. Like you have someone called Friar Tuck who's a fried chicken tycoon and it's the Robin Hood thing again with the shooting and everything, and he's got a merry menu, it's merry men. Um, Al's plot is very cute, but very silly, but it works because the show is, is very cartoonish at this point. Yes. Um it's it's fun, you know, and it and it works and it sort of complements buds story as well in the way that they've structured the ending for them to end it together with a similar quote if that makes sense i assume that was all planned of course i mean amanda burst knows what she's doing she does when she's directing the show by this point and i like that she's in an episode that she has directed because she's not always in an episode she gets a couple of scenes like you know her normal neighbor would but she's in it i like that yeah, a solid four out of five for me. I mean it's a good later season episode and I like that Kelly is getting work. And I think um Christina Applegate's performance in this episode is very strong. She's always good, you know. But her dismay at not being able to get a job just like that, maybe, you know, she's learning that her looks were gonna get her so far, or now she has to prove herself to be a good archer to actually get this show to get this commercial, even though it is for a sleazy guy like the Friar Tuck character we have in this episode. But I sort of like that Kelly is now having to work for work and she actually wants to work. I think that's quite noble. And like we said in the episode, Bud is genuinely wanting to help Kelly, even though he's getting something out of it himself. So all in all, pretty good. A solid four for me. Just little tiny things that stop it being a five. I could even go to four and a half, but I don't know it's a later season episode but you know it's solid enough and it and it works for me
4: very nicely said anna so as for myself uh i'll also be shooting four apples off the top of my sibling's head well i don't have any siblings i'm an only child uh i've got a few other relatives i might d- do this too uh uncle stewart if you listen to this maybe your head sorry <laughs> Yeah, so, anyway, so, uh, well, okay, so, I, I won't give it a five, because for me, it's not quite a legendary tier episode, it isn't quite fully on fire, I mean, I mean, I mean, don't go me wrong, Amber's in it, I love the plotline, I love the, um, architecture, the Kelly bunkerism. uh, how, Bud actually, you know, um, how upsets Kelly, in and then tries to, um, actually even somewhat legitimately turn things around, um, even though, even though it's mainly to get Amber again, uh, the typical Married to Children anticlimactic ending So It's got a lot going for it I found it very funny to watch Even Especially on its Fourth or fifth viewing for me Uh yeah, so it does fire up pretty good, and it's got not, not enough references in it. Uh, I love owl being the owl and the owl 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 owl. owl. Uh, and it, it's got proof that the show's still good in its later later days, but uh, so it's not quite a four four and a half or five from me. So I'm very I've like to be very sparing with my five. So, but definitely a very solid episode. A uh, very good one from season nine. One of my f- favourites from season nine. But it's not quite the level of uh, no pot to pee and in a naughty button knee, so definite for, for shooting four apples off top of my siblings' head, or well, for me other relatives' heads. So uh yeah, when international travel comes and I get to Wales, maybe I'll shoot this off your head, Uncle Stuart and Auntie Jane.
5: <laughs> Sounds good. I forgot to mention that yeah, Alan Marcy's ex who who Al Al exchange is a highlight for me in this episode as well.
4: Yes, indeed. Uh, I just want to say, on, um, on another note, uh, thank you for joining the Married with Children podcast for another um, trip to Australia down down under here in our rather um, not-quite-freezing nudie bar uh, working it into heating upgrade because us Australians don't really use heating too much. Uh, but the Married with Children podcast will be back next week for Get a Dodge Outta Hell, Season 9, Episode 16 on their way to work.
5: Ooh. 200th episode.
4: Oh, yes. Um, the big... That's actually episode 199. Uh, 200 is 25 years. What do you get?
5: Well, this is the episode touted as the 200th episode because of reasons.
4: Yes, reason, yes reasons. Uh, indeed. Uh, yeah, so who's doing that one? Who's doing that episode? Oh,
5: I believe it's Stephen and Tyler and maybe a special guest.
4: Definitely tune in next week for the Meredyth Children Podcast when I take on season nine, episode sixteen. Get a Dodge out of hell on the way to Wanker County. The Bundys go to the car wash where Al can't find his car, and Jefferson is working there where he runs into, uh, believe good old Steve again, who is shaded to be something that he's not. They find the Dodge, and you'll get to hear a lot more about this episode next week when you tune into the Meredyth Children Podcast so from here in uh, somewhat cold Australia. Tune in next week and uh, we will see you all then. Then don't go shooting apples off your family members as heads, kids. Don't try it at home.
5: No, try it in the nice warm nudie bar here when we can have topless Lady Macbeth.
4: Exactly.
5: And topless Maid Marion.
4: <laughs> Be good to yourselves and uh, tune in next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>